This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew from NBC Sports Edge. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, September 3rd. Six and a half weeks to go, approximately, until the start of the NBA season, if my math is correct. And today we're going to be looking at the latest from the Ben Simmons trade saga, a couple places he could end up, and what his absence might mean for players on the Sixers. Plus, we're going to take a look at one of the most crowded rosters in the league, position battles for your Charlotte Hornets. All that and more is coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. As we say, good afternoon to everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. I'm joined by Ryan Canals, Raphael Johnson, Steve Alexander. Guys, right off the top, quick programming note here. We are currently on a Monday-Friday schedule, as you know, if you listen to the podcast. But next week, we will be here Tuesday instead of Monday due to an impending holiday. And Steve, I want you to right now update your paper calendar because I don't want you showing up noon on Monday asking me what's going on. I don't want to be getting texts and phone calls from you asking where I am. Tuck? Tuck? I've got multiple alarms set. Okay. Tuesday. I have alarms set for Monday that will, they're labeled no podcast today. So I think we're going to be okay. You're going to wake up in a cold sweat. They, they say come, the alarm, the alarm note says come back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm still cutting to you waking up at, 12.08 on Monday in a complete panic. I, I really I really can't wait for that. It's not going to happen. I've got it. It's not going to happen. No, it's it's locked okay. in. All right. Wow. Mid-season form already. I'm going to give a little tease. There's there's been there's been a, a rumor that my name, na- my neighbor, Jacob, might might be able to join us for that. And uh, 
I actually spoke to my neighbor Jacob today, and I, I talked to him about Tuesday and not Monday. So I didn't lock anything in. You know, we're just preliminary. There's been a rumor started by you adding to the long line of we've had some like decent, you know, big name guests on the show Adam Schefter, Matthew Barry. Bob Rathman, the voice of the Hawks, Andy Hall from the band Manchester Orchestra, and now Brian Steve's neighbor, Jacob. <laughs> Brian Rosenworcel from Gus. Steve's neighbor now joins the fray. So I know Ryan and Raph, you guys are pumped for that. Well, I can't wait. I, I'll set alarms for Tuesday to tune into the live stream, uh, mostly to hear Jacob, frankly. Yeah, you've been a big Jacob fan for a while, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some of the big news from this week. It's a quiet time in the NBA calendar, but that has not stopped Ben Simmons from going public with his trade demand. And according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, he is not planning to show up to training camp, guys. The awkwardness of this situation, you might say, has been heightened dramatically. And I recently read, there was a big roundtable discussion about this on The Athletic, which if you're an Athletic subscriber, I recommend checking out. Number of beat writers and national writers and just kind of breaking down the situation. And if I could paraphrase some of that, basically all of them, you know, including Dave, David Aldridge, Sam Amick, seem to believe that Ben Simmons really does intend to hold out. But at the same time, they point out Daryl Morey isn't one to panic just because this thing is awkward. So, you know, you've got teams like the Warriors, Wolves, and Kings have some interest, but they don't seem inclined to part with any of their young stars to get him. Even the Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman seem to be off the table, or if you believe what you read. So, Raph, it's almost like what we have here is a massive stalemate. How do you see this thing unfolding? I think he's going to start the season in Philadelphia, personally. Um, given the request that Daryl Morey put out in terms of what they'd like to receive in return uh, back when this all started yeah. in the summer, I don't think anyone's really willing to to meet those demands. I think it was reported by you know beat writers for both the Warriors and the Kings that they really aren't too interested. You know, the, the Warriors haven't received an offer in quite some time since the one that included Wiseman. I think Wiggins was in there. Um, they're two, mm -hmm. they're two lottery picks and then future first. They weren't interested in yeah. that. The thing is when you have a star, I don't even, I guess you call Ben Simmons a star player, but if you're talking like a high level player in terms of salary, when they want to leave, it's going to be really difficult for that team to receive proper value in return. Um, even in the case of James Harden leaving Houston, you're trading a guy of that caliber. It's going to be extremely difficult to receive what you would consider to be proper value for him in return because they know other teams know he doesn't want to be there. So Philadelphia, I think he, they're going to have to start the season with Simmons. Um, I don't see the holdout lasting too long because that's a lot of money you're leaving on the table. Maybe he's got his pockets like that to where he can do that, but I I think he's going to be in there eventually if he doesn't get traded. They're just going to play it out as is. How awkward that will that be? So awkward. If he uh, attempts to hold out, doesn't, you know, can't handle the fines, which would be, as you said, Rev, astronomical on a per game basis. Um, and then he, if he comes back, imagine the microscope he's going to be over. Every shot he takes, every shot he doesn't take. Uh, it's going to be something else. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see how long Maury is willing to, to hold out and and call other teams bluffs, basically. Because if a team like the Warriors, who wants to win now, is really thinking about adding a piece like Ben Simmons, and there's been some misinformation going both ways in the media, some some talk about them concerned pairing him with Draymond Green, with two non-shooters on the court, that kind of thing. I still think it's a bet they'd be willing to take uh, at the right price. 
But if you're a team like that, you'd think you'd want to get Ben Simmons now, you know, incorporate him, get a full season underway, not wait until the All-Star break and then make a move. So uh, I would expect something to get done sooner rather than later. We've seen situations play out like this frequently. You mentioned James Harden. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a similar situation a couple years ago. And it kind of reaches a peak boil where something needs to give teams start to float their offers. And eventually I think Philly will just take the best, the best of the bunch. You know, when Dr. Naismith invented the game of basketball, what do you think the, what do you think the the first thing he figured out was, I'm going to guess that he had the peach basket up there and he, he threw the ball into the basket. He, he made a shot. He's like, I think I'm onto something here. I'm going to roll with this. I mean, this is basketball we're talking about. And Ben Simmons literally cannot shoot, won't shoot. Is he going to shoot the ball ever again? Like, he's going to be so scared to go to the free throw line or to get fouled. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, and I feel like I was on this very early. You know, I had, the, I had the blindfold going. It feels like it was six months ago, and we're still talking about this. Um, and to Roth's point, you know, everybody and their mother knows that Ben Simmons is on the block and that they need to get rid of Ben Simmons. So his value, let, let's say he's a really good shooter. His value's already damaged so much. And now you add in the fact he can't shoot at all. Golden State doesn't want him. They've already got Ben Simmons. They've got Draymond Green. I mean, it, and, you know, I think every GM in the league knows that there are some you know, there's some head game stuff going on with Ben Simmons that I don't know that you can teach or fix. So this is a mess. I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't, I can't imagine any way possible that he plays for the Sixers this season. Daryl Morey, meanwhile, is like the, uh, the obnoxious manager in your fantasy league. I almost have to give him credit for what he's asking for. I mean, because it's just so audacious. Like, I think there was a, a report that he had, They'd ask for De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton from the Kings. I mean, if you're the Sixers, if you could get De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons, if I was running the Sixers, I would shake on that deal right now and, and run out of the room. You know what I mean? Like, close it immediately. The, the, the audacity to ask for Halliburton, too, is just amazing. So I, I do have to give Maury, Maury credit for, yeah, beyond just stand, sticking to his guns here, he is, like, taking it up a notch. It's just impressive. Meanwhile, his head coach and his other star player, Joel Embiid, are doing their best to undercut Ben Simmons' value. <laughs> I mean, th- this really started in the postseason, not only with Simmons' play, but then with his team's reaction to his play. I mean, throwing him under the bus, Doc Rivers was asked point blank, can Ben Simmons be a championship caliber point guard or a point guard on a championship team? And his response was, I'm not sure, <laughs> or something to that effect. Not exactly what you want to hear when you're trying to pump up someone's trade value. It was honest, though, because we, we legitimately do not know. He hasn't won the title. So, you know, I guess obviously you understand if you're Ben Simmons and his agent, Rich Paul, you want to hear your coach just say, without a doubt, we can win a title with him. But the evidence shows that we do not know right now. And I think a lot of people, based upon how this the trade offers have gone and the reception of them, they don't know either. And I think they're more on the side of he can't win a title with him. You know, you add him to Golden State, you're going to play him and Draymond Green together. I don't see how that works. I think there's a situation where you may have to trade Draymond in order to get Ben Simmons, and I don't think the Warriors want to do that. 
one thing I think that is kind of important here is Ben Simmons didn't have a quiet um, under the radar incident that, that led to all this. He passed up a wide open dunk that the entire world saw and the entire world talked about it. And I, I really think that that, that moment is really uh, what this is all about. And it's going to affect him for the rest of his career. And that, that's where we're at right now. Is there a, a good name for that play? Has that had like a, a catchy uh, title affixed to it yet? I haven't heard one. Scotty, don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, we got to come up with one at some point. I have not. We talked about some of these destinations like the Wolves. I was reading that same thing on The Athletic that you know they, they're not going to part with, obviously, Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns. They don't even want to part with D'Angelo Russell, if, you know, according to what their beat writer, John Krasinski, says. So, you know... As of now, it would be like a package of Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, uh, maybe is it was Dario Saric the third name I saw. Anyways, Saric is in Phoenix now, so that. Yeah, no, no, I yeah, I was reading. No, no, I was read. I was conflating with Saric being in the Jimmy Butler trade, which was what Minnesota getting nothing back. You're yes, so I threw Saric into the wrong thing. Anyways, the point is Minnesota got nothing for Jimmy Butler, next to nothing, right? Robert Covington, a couple other guys. I don't think that it doesn't seem like Philly's going to settle for that. So it's just really hard to see how this is going to play out. And let's leave that there. That's kind of the, I guess, the real life aspect of this. I want to look at this kind of from a fantasy angle because the Tyrese Maxey factor, I think, is interesting here. And Raph, when we were talking about this offline, you brought up his name. I was looking into this. In games that Ben Simmons missed last season, there were 14 of them. Maxey averaged around 14 points, three boards, two and a half assists. That's nothing exciting, but it doesn't totally tell the full story because in some of those games, Doc Rivers played Maxey inexplicably less than like 10 minutes. I think one of them, he played like five minutes. Anyways, Maxey did have a couple monster games without Ben Simmons. A 39-point game, seven rebounds, six assists in January. He had a 30-point, seven rebounds, six assists game in May without Ben Simmons. And... I looked at his whole game log. There were eight games last year where Maxi got 25 minutes or more, okay? Eight games. In those games, he averaged 20 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, four assists, a steal, basically half a block, and 1.33s. So Maxi, I think, is a really interesting guy if he can get minutes. But the other factor here, we have a blurb on NBC Sports Edge, that he could get dealt away as part of a Simmons deal, which... Makes almost no sense to me, Ryan. So what do you make of Maxi given all of that? Uh, that's a good question. And to, to that last point, it's all kind of speculation. There's so much disinformation with agents leaking different narratives and so forth. I mean, we heard that uh, Tyrese Maxi, who shares an agent, Rich Paul, with Ben mm -hmm. Simmons, apparently his agent was telling uh, charitable organizations in Philadelphia not to partner with Tyrese Maxey because he didn't want him laying down roots if he was going to leave the city. I mean, th that's some next level trade head games. Uh, and then there was a counter report that Maxey wanted to stay in Philly. So who knows where that goes? Um, you know, if we assume on the, you know, proceed on the premise that Maxey's going to stay in Philly and Simmons is gone, of course, it all depends who they get right. back, right? If they manage to land a guy like, uh, Darren Fox, I mean, they're not going to, but a starting caliber point guard, then all of this goes out the window. Even if they don't, uh, I think Shake Milton is a bit of a more of a threat to Maxi than we might be giving him credit for. I think there's a bit of a position battle that could brew there overnight if Simmons is moved without a point guard coming back. Yeah. Um, Maxi and Shake Milton both are, are intriguing guys because they both had moments uh, last season where they, they just kind of exploded and, and went off. And then, you know, you look at the overall numbers once all said and done, it's not that 
not all that exciting, but um, if Simmons is gone or not playing for Philly, then Shake Milton, I think, I, I mean, I'm more intrigued by Shake Milton, I think, than I am Maxie. Just because Seth Curry's there, mm. Danny Green is still there. Um, whereas Shake, I think, is more of a true point guard. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Maxie will, maybe Maxie would play the point. I'm not sure. I, I guess that's a, a training camp battle that we need to keep an eye on. And, and honestly, I don't have, I don't think I have either guy in my current top 200, but, you know, thinking this, thinking this out right now, both of those guys probably need to be at the tail end of a top 200 list right now. Raf, you brought Maxie's name into this conversation in the first place before we sat down to record today. So what are your thoughts on this whole thing? First of all, he, he really doesn't, you know, he and his representation really don't have any leverage with regard to Maxi specifically because he's on a rookie deal. Ken said, oh, he, he uh-huh. wants to leave. And, you know, like Ryan said, there's all types of information and misinformation out there regarding Maxi's future in Philadelphia. But I think the, the Milton versus Maxi conversation is an interesting one to have because we've seen more from Milton. I would argue that he may have a higher floor for that reason. But if I'm going to pick based on ceiling, I go with Maxi personally. Um, yeah. Especially given how he was used in summer league play. Obviously, summer league is nothing compared to the regular season. But they told that man, just shoot whenever you touch leather. And he did that. And he was highly productive in doing so. And, you know, obviously the dynamic's going to change when he's playing alongside Embiid and, and Tobias Harris. And if Simmons is there too, Simmons as well. But he's not going to be on the floor much with Simmons, I don't think, if Simmons is still in Philadelphia, just because they're going to be asked to do similar things. But Maxie's scoring punch, which we saw in limited doses last season, I think somebody's going to be losing some minutes there. Maybe it's someone on like the back end of the rotation, like a Furkan Korkmaz or or maybe even Milton, if there's a true training camp battle there. But I think we're going to see a bit more of Maxi, and, and I, I agree with Steve. I think he should probably be in the back end of our top 200. I hope that Doc Rivers shows a little more trust in Maxi this year because that was an issue. I, I mentioned those games that Simmons missed. You look through the look line up their game logs together. It's wild. I mean, there's games that Simmons missed where, as I said, Maxi's playing less than 10 minutes. That didn't make any sense to me, but it speaks to Doc Rivers not quite necessarily trusting the guy yet. Uh, and hopefully that will change, Ryan. Carry on with whatever you were going to say. Well, just the, to Raph's point, Maxi only played 200 minutes total alongside Ben Simmons last year. So, you know, if you draft him, what you would hope that uh, Simmons does not, in fact, suit up for them. And one one final point I wanted to make is looking at last season uh, without Ben Simmons on the court, there's going to be an impact on the other stars as well. Again, it depends who Philly gets back in this deal, but... Without Simmons on the court, Joel Embiid's usage rate went up almost 6%, and his assist rate spiked nearly 7%. Tobias Harris' usage up 4-point-something percent, uh, and his assist rate went up almost 6%. So both of those guys can carry. It's not going to be a one-to-one where like Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton need to assume the offensive burden of running point full stop. Uh, Philly has other players who will benefit tangentially if Simmons is moved. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay, on part two of our episode, we want to take a look at one of the most interesting or shall we say potentially messy depth charts out there. That is the Charlotte Hornets who added some veterans to their rotation this offseason as well as a lottery pick shooting guard and James Booknight. So let's try to make sense of this as we go from point guard all the way down to center. And starting at the top, you have LaMelo Ball and Ish Smith, who they added, basically a point guard. We're not worried about anyone stealing minutes from LaMelo Ball. Uh, but while we're here... Uh, I just wanted to ask you guys, since it's it's always in- interesting to talk Lamel. This is a guy who shot better than many of us thought he would. 43 and a half from the field, 76 from the line. Steve, do you sense that that's the floor for Lamelo when it comes to shooting? Or should we be worried about some of that erratic shooting that we were worried about when he came into the league, maybe popping up in the future? I'm not too worried about it. Am I crazy for thinking that Lamelo could go 20, 10, and 10 this year? I, I don't think I am. Uh I mean, okay, carry on. Maybe 28, 27, 26, and 8, 21, 6, and 8. What was he last year? Well, last year was 15, what, 6 and 6 or something like that? Okay. Yeah, but for the season. 26 and 7 in a month. I'll take that. Um, it's a new season. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's basically a sophomore now. I, I think Lamelo is going to be a monster. I'm not worried about his shooting, you know, coming back to earth because, I mean, we – we've he set the bar as a rookie with with that percentage i think that's that's um i think he's gonna be better than that this year and his his low turnovers i think are underrated like he went for a long time with without being over two turnovers a game last season i i love him uh there's no position battle here this is the only thing in charlotte that is crystal clear and uh you know, Ish, Ish Smith is going to have a, a long year sitting there watching LaMelo as long as LaMelo can stay healthy. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I mean, it, Ish Smith doesn't factor in too much for me. Uh, but LaMelo, to your question about his field goal percentage, I'm not too concerned. I'll say I was definitely concerned uh, last season. I thought coming in, you looked at his stats playing overseas and it, it looked like, wow, shooting is going to be a real struggle for him. Maybe we need a couple of years yeah. for him to ramp up. But man, he hit the ground running. Uh, super impressive. So no, I'm not concerned. I mean, he shot better than 45% three full months last season. He shot 47% from deep in the month of March on over five attempts per game. Uh, good at the line, just, you know, looks fundamentally like a guy who hits shots. So I'm not worried about some 
some backslide to poor percentages. Uh, and Steve also didn't mention his steals. I mean, LaMelo has the potential to be a two-steal-a-game guy. He's going to be probably top 10 in that category regardless, even if he does, he may have been last year. I, I haven't looked. But uh, he's going to be a category winner. And then you throw in those triple-double stats, the ability to hit threes, and if he's not hurting you in percentages, are we looking at a top 25 fantasy player? I think that's a fair question to ask. Um He's got this season of experience under his belt. I think now you've got a little bit of clarity with regard to that point guard position. Um, Ishmael's not going to play more than about 15 minutes per game. So I, I kind of feel like his arrival is a non, that's not really worth discussing with all due respect to Ish. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really, I don't really see that having an impact on him. And, you know, like, like Ryan said, the steals, I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, if he can get to about two per game, you're talking about a guy who's going to be a fantasy monster. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd take him top 25, but I can definitely see a plausible scenario in which he's that kind of player. I wouldn't be waiting too long after that. I'll say that much. Yeah, there's too many guys I like in the second round, I think, but I can see it. And what he accomplished at, I believe, what was age 19 last year, just averaging like fifth, better than 15, 6, and 6 as a 19-year-old is very, very rarefied air that, that that puts him in. I've looked this up before, but I'm forgetting. But it's a very short list of players who have done that at that age. Uh, let's move to shooting guard. And as we go down the list here, these become more position battles, especially in the front court. Shooting guard, though, the picture is relatively clear. I mean, we have Terry Rozier coming off a great fantasy season, was a top 40 guy, you know, averaged nearly average 20 and a half points, four and a half boards, four dimes, 1.2 steals, 3.23s. Now has a four year, 97 million extension. Seems pretty clear Rozier is one of the featured guys on this team. They also used a lottery pick number 11 specifically on James Booknight. Steve, we're not worried about Booknight cutting into Terry Rozier's production, are we? You know, I actually, um, I'm not, not super high on Terry Rozier. Um, really? Coming off a monster career year. I don't think anybody, any of us really saw the year coming that he put together. His shooting was good. He was really great across the board. Um, much better than I thought he was capable of doing, I feel like, like you asked me if you thought, if I thought Lamelo's shooting might come back to earth this season. I'm much more worried about Terry Rozier hmm. and his shooting coming back to earth. And James Booknight is no joke. Like he's a really good player. Roth can tell us all about it. He watched him play a lot. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I'm, an, I think Rozier is going to be overdrafted this year. I think people are going to be paying for his ceiling. They're going to be paying for last year's production uh, and maybe uh -huh. even thinking, hey, is there another big leap coming from Rozier? And as you said, Steve, I didn't see last year coming. I don't think many did. He he had never shot better than 42% from the field in his career. And then last season, on the highest volume attempts he's ever had, he shot 45%. Excellent from deep to, I think, uh, 30, almost 40%. So although I'm not too worried about his percentages cratering, I am worried about the impact of a fully healthy Gordon Hayward when, you know, once he's back in the swing. Plus, now you add Kelly Oubre, you have James Booknight who can create offense, and you've got LaMelo taking that next step. It's just, it's really the cast around him that has eroded my interest in Rozier, not his own play itself. Yeah, I think he's more of a middle round guy. Like, I know he finished top 40 mm -hmm. last season. Um, his first season in Charlotte, he was just outside of the top 75. So 
I think the move down to Charlotte has been really good for him, both fantasy-wise and in terms of his own personal career. But I don't know. You know, there may be people who try to take him within the top 50. I don't think I would do that personally because, you know, as Ryan mentioned, that rotation, get, there's a bit more punch to it, I would say, offensively than there was last season, especially once Gordon Hayward got hurt. But, yeah, I think, what, sixth, seventh round, I think that would be fair for Terry Rozier. I don't expect him to fall off, like, the face of the earth or anything, but there's going to be more mouths to feed, so to speak, in that offense. So he may take a slight hit fantasy-wise there. It is odd that Devontae Graham gets shipped out of town, and you would think that would be a really positive thing for Terry Rozier. And, in fact... If Devontae Graham was there, it would, it would be even worse for, for Rozier. But, like, the Gordon Hayward injury return is huge. He was out for a very long time last season, uh, and he's he's making a, a lot of money for Charlotte, too. So, um, And I think Booknight's going to play. I don't know, I don't know how much he's going to play, but he's going to play. So, yeah, I did, I did, I, I'm with you guys. I think um, fifth round – earliest and, and sixth round is where you really want to target him. But he's going to go before that. Yeah, and as you guys said, I mean, he's a, a 38th guy on Basketball Monsters 9 category rankings last year, so can you get him in the middle rounds? I agree with what Raph said and what others have said. That's where I'd be happy to take him. But yeah, you may not, you may not be able to get him there. So that's really the cleanest part of this whole roster. Right now is where it gets a little more messy, a little more complicated in terms of competition. So at small forward, you have Gordon Hayward, who was really good when he did play last season, but missed 28 games. Uh, and then you have Kelly Oubre, who joined this team, reportedly, according to Shams Trani of The Athletic, $26 million over two years. Ryan, how does this one work? I mean, these are two guys whose main position is the three who are accustomed to playing 30-plus minutes. What? What? How? <laughs> it's well, for one thing, it's almost like when Charlotte was putting this roster together this summer, they weren't thinking about fantasy managers, and it's very, very rude of them to build in this much depth uh, and have an actual competent second unit. So shame on them for that. But I mean, Hayward's healthy, right? He had a sprained foot last year, but there was a chance that he was going to play in the play-in game. Could have potentially returned in the postseason. So he should, coming into training camp in the preseason, be fully healthy. Uh, ditto for Ubre. It's a position battle. It seems to me like Ubre comes off the bench and is their sixth man and can carve out 28, maybe 30 minutes a game. But he's not going to. You know, last year we, we heard him chafing in the in a bench role for Golden State. He wanted to be a more featured player. It seems like the consensus is he's not that guy, right? If he was, some team would have offered him that money and that role this offseason. Didn't happen. So I'm not high on him. I know there was some some hype around him last year, and he, and he fizzled for fantasy in particular. Uh, I, I think there's there won't be a post-hype discount because I, I don't love his ceiling on this roster. Uh, as for Hayward, it's all health. I mean... He, he doesn't need sky-high usage to get his stats, right? He can be a 18, 20-point, you know, five-board, four-dime kind of guy in his sleep, it seems. Uh, it's really just about him staying healthy. Not a bet I'm willing to make prior to, like, top 75, probably. It's an interesting position battle, but as long as Hayward's healthy. But that's the thing. Hayward hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, he's also been in the league forever. It, I mean, I feel like it was just... A couple of years ago, we were watching him at Butler, and you know, it turns out that was like a, eleven or twelve years ago. How did you look this up already, Steve? Did you already look up how old he is? No. 
Can you uh, give us your your best guess at how old Gordon Hayward is? I did look this up. He's been in the league for like eleven years, right? Don't think. Don't think. I don't want you to analyze. I want you to go with your gut. How old <laughs> is Gordon Hayward? I'm going to go with thirty years old. I think he's thirty-one, isn't he? He's only like twenty-nine, right? I believe he's thirty-one. Carry on. I'll look it up. I'll double check. He's always he's he's an old man now. He's always hurt. Uh, <laughs> But Kelly Oubre, to me, his, Kelly Oubre's audition to be a primetime player was last season. And he. <laughs> Can you see that? No. 31. Okay. 31. He, uh, Kelly Oubre failed miserably, in my opinion, for his audition to be an NBA stud. And I think now Charlotte's like, yeah, dude, you, you did not get it done without Clay Thompson on a shell of a Warriors team like no you can sit behind Gordon Hayward and when Hayward gets hurt you can have his job I guess that's where we are yeah I don't see this as a position battle at all I think Hayward's clearly the starter um Oubre will back him up will be you know their most prominent backup I would say um the thing is I think we'll get further into the front court obviously but where they play some of those other guys may impact that rotation at the small forward spot because you could conceivably slide mm-hmm. Hayward down to the four uh, for stretches. You know, play him there, try to force some mismatches. That'll free up minutes for Ubre at the three. Um, but, yeah, I I think a lot of us, when we saw that Clay Thompson got hurt, we kind of thought, you know, this is Ubre's big chance, kind of step forward, be a, a more valuable fantasy player. And it just didn't happen. I, I forget how bad his three-point stretch was it, to start the season, but it was absolutely horrific. You know, you give him credit for continuing to shoot the ball, but he just couldn't make anything. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue in Charlotte, but I do have concerns about him embracing that six-man role. I would assume that they talked about it during contract negotiations because – you know, you're not going to sign a deal if you don't kind of know what your role is, I guess you'd say. So, yeah, I think he'll be their sixth man, but I don't see him starting unless Hayward were to go down with an injury. It seems like there's one guy every year that is that uh, gets off to a slow start and then people start complaining about it. And you're like, oh, no, it's too early. Don't panic. Hang in there. He'll be fine. And then a month later, you're like, oh, no, it's too early. Just hang in there. He'll be fine. And then, like, all-star break gets here. It's like, uh yeah he's trash my bad that was uh that was kelly Oubre's uh fantasy season in a nutshell he's not trash his fantasy game was trash i'll still take kelly Oubre, and if he falls to the late rounds this year i'll take a flyer on him if he's gonna if he's gonna start to fall late in drafts late rounds is a lot different than fourth or fifth round though which is i think where he was going last year okay well let's move to the front court raf mentioned it uh and i want to start with the name miles bridges he was actually really good down the stretch for this team is last 20 games just taking that sample he was around 20.7 rebounds three assists 0.8 steals 1.1.0 blocks he hit three three pointers per game over his final 20 games was really efficient too. 51 from the field 43 and a half from threes 84 from the line and i just you know it's been a lot of peaks and valleys for miles bridges but this is the 12th overall pick from 2018 in my opinion, they need to see what they have in this guy. He has earned the right to play 30-plus minutes at the outset of the season. The question becomes, can that happen? You also have P.J. Washington, who is going to play some at the four. 
Uh, you could say, well, just move P.J. Washington to five. And this is where this whole thing becomes a, a big mess, in my opinion, because they added a useful veteran in Mason Plumley, who you can say whatever you want about. Uh, Mason Plumley's is just a veteran. He's going to get out of the way. I don't know. I, I think that they brought Mason Plumley into play. They also added a first-round talent at center in Kai Jones, the number 19 pick. So, Raph, you have the task of sorting out this front court. I mean, to me, it seems clear that they should roll with Bridges and Washington as the, the top priorities and let everyone else fall in behind that. But it feels like these other guys are going to complicate that. Yeah, I think Plumlee's going to be in line for a pretty good year. Um, you know, being a finisher, playing alongside playing alongside LaMelo Ball, even Terry Rozier, when they let him initiate things in those ball screen situations, I think he's going to be good. Um how good? I'm not really sure. I, I think I'd probably just stick to the late rounds with Plumlee. But um, I guess the dog doesn't. My dog just. But. My dog is a big Mason Plumlee guy. I'm going to mute myself. But yeah, I agree with you on Bridges. I think he needs to play more. Um, that being said, PJ Washington is an established starter for them. So it's like, where do you go here? I, I don't think you want to take away. You don't want to limit Plumlee, so to speak, because. If they're going to be a playoff team, they're going to need more from that center position. What they've had in the past between Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo has been extremely poor. Um, that's why they signed Mason Plumley. That's why they drafted Kai Jones. Um, they're still waiting for something from their two young bigs, I think Wendell Carey Jr. and uh, Vernon Carey Jr., I should say, and uh, Nick Richards. Those guys didn't give them anything last season. They're hoping for more this year, but I don't really know about either of those guys. They're both second-round picks, too. So there's only so much you can ask for there. But, yeah, this is a situation where you just draft Washington as Bridges and, and, and Plumlee and then leave everyone else alone, I think. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who starts. I mean, one of these three guys is not going to be in the starting lineup on opening night. It could be Miles Bridges because PJ Washington had a nice year last year, played it, you know, half his time. I think Brian and I talked about it the other day, half his time, essentially 48%, I think, was spent at power forward. Um, when I initially pulled up the NBC Sports Edge death chart, we had PJ Washington starting over Mason Plumley. That could still happen. Uh, as somebody mentioned, Gordon Hayward can end up at the four at some point. Like, I just don't know who the odd man out is going to be. Mason Plumlee started almost every game for Detroit uh, at center last year. So I kind of feel like he's going to start at center for this team. And then P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges are just going to beat each other up in training camp to see who wins the job. And Jalen McDaniels is going to get some minutes, too. So he just adds another wrench to this whole thing. But I I'm really interested to see if P.J. or Miles Bridges ends up starting for this team. Yeah, that, and that's the position battle that I'm watching most intensely in training camp in the preseason. You know, I'm not too worried about Kai Jones. I think he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the G League this season. Uh, you know, Jalen McDaniels kind of, it, he'll get minutes, but I'm not worried about his impact on the rotation. And it's really that center spot because P.J. Washington was great at center last year. Um, the net rating with him at center was plus six, which was the 80th percentile in the league, according to Cleaning the Glass. Uh, much worse at power forward. 
But Power Forward, you know, also where Miles Bridges spent all of his time. So they could conceivably start Bridges Washington, but and then Plumley com, comes off the bench and is an upgrade in that, as Raf said, that Zeller Biombo role. And this is a team that did play Bismack Biombo twenty minutes per game last year. So make no mistake, Plumley will be on the court. Uh, he's he's obviously much better, and makes for like a reasonable last round you know, gasp, not a very high ceiling though. And that's why I probably won't get them on many teams because in those late rounds, I'm usually just gambling on upside and the unknown versus a big man with boring stats. Who's, you know, may vanish if the Hornets aren't, aren't faring well with him on the court. I managed to calm Ozzy, the dog down. He was very fired up about the Mason Plumlee stuff. Um, He's drafted Mason Plumlee in like all of his fantasy leagues the last five years, so he was just excited. I hope he didn't he didn't hear what I just said. I hope he's in the other room watching a TV show now. But um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, no, I what I was gonna say is I just hope that this isn't actually a position battle between Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. That would be such a shame for fantasy. Two guys with with a lot of fantasy upside, and uh, let's just let's just do the right thing here and play Bridges at the four, Washington at the five. Let Plumley come in and guide that bench unit like he was meant to do, like Ryan said. That's that's my best outcome here, which probably won't be the outcome. So it sounds like Rafa and I are team Plumley, and you guys are, are team Washington. I drafted Plumley in a lot of leagues last year, and like it did work out early on for a while. It was, he was a pretty solid glue guy on on a roster, but once you've done that one time, it's it's time to move on. You know, that's like a once in a lifetime experience. You know what I like to call Mason Plumley? Sneaky dimes. He is. Yeah. Okay. He is. He's got some sneaky dimes. He does. He does. He's a facilitator, Steve. Whenever I talk about Mason Plumley, you know, when I'm out in the public at the golf course or the restaurant sure. or whatever, and people come up to me and they're like, Steve, what are your thoughts about Mason Plumley? I'm like, oh, oh you mean yeah. squeaky dimes. Squeaky dimes. Squeaky, squeaky dimes. Changed to squeaky dimes. <laughs> Commentary on his sneakers. I don't know what's happening. Which what one is, is happening? It? Squeaky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are you okay? You just a, changed sneaky to squeaky. What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, How do they react at the golf club when the you say rail, this? Are the they? Rails are, we're off the rails right now. Yeah, I think it's about time to roll some music. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. As I mentioned earlier, we're here Tuesday and Friday next week, Steve, not Monday due to the holiday. Thanks, everyone, for listening on the podcast. Tuesday. And watching live on YouTube. Hope you all have a great weekend, including Mr. Squeaky Dimes himself. Ryan, Raph, Steve, thanks, guys. See you next week. Thank you. Thanks. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 